you can say, I always need X. I'm going to pay 5000 a month for the base load, and then I have a holiday season. So I'm going to need 2X or 3X. So for two months a year, I want 2X or 3X. The bill goes up. The services go up. Oh, we just did an acquisition. I need to double it tomorrow. It goes up. Okay. It goes down. Okay. And so you license. This licensing is very complicated. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at Digital Transformation Consulting Firm, Elevate IQ. If you plan for your next digital transformation initiative, you need to decide whether you will opt for an on-prem system or cloud. You might ask why anyone would even worry about on-prem in 2021. Well, there are several reasons. If you already have an IT infrastructure and are locked into on-prem licenses, the cloud option may be more expensive. You might also want to opt for on-prem if any regulatory constraints require you to be present on the on-prem system. Finally, some people may be just more comfortable with their data on their premises. In today's episode, we invited an expert panel of cross-functional experts for a live interview on LinkedIn who brings significant expertise with digital transformation infrastructure to discuss how to choose between on-prem and cloud. We also discussed how to build the criteria based on your business needs and how to identify fake clouds. Finally, we discussed why on-prem would still be a viable option in some cases, even if the rest of the world may be taking a cloud-first approach. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's show. For today, we are going to be discussing a decision that you need to make as an executive when you are undertaking any digital transformation initiative or the ERP initiative. And that is going to be cloud versus on-prem. Typically, in any digital engagement, you are going to have these two options that you need to explore based on several different criteria. So we will be discussing the pros and cons of these two options. So we have a panel. We are going to be starting with the introduction. Chris, do you want to start with your introduction, if you don't mind? Sure. Chris Garadini, uh, CEO of Turnkey Technologies. We are a 27-year-old firm that focuses on ERP and CRM implementations. So we love doing it. Thank you so much, Chris. And your experience is going to be super relevant today just because you have seen so many implementations and you have seen where cloud and on-prem both are going to be relevant. Now, I am going to move to Tom. Tom, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Thanks, Sam. And hi, everybody. Tom Rodden, CIO at Varian Medical Systems. I have uh, about 10 years of uh, consulting experience doing large project implementations, some cloud, some on-prem with Deloitte and Pricewaterhouse. And the last 13 years, I've been a member of the team at Varian Medical Systems, the last four, the CIO here. 
Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Tom, for uh, being here. And obviously, you have seen a lot of large implementations, and you have been part of some of the regulated organizations where the on-prem option could be extremely relevant. So your expertise is going to be significantly relevant for this panel. Wayne, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Thank you, Sam. Glad to be here. My name is Wayne Saden. I've got about 25 years as a CIO. Back when on-prem was the only option, I started out. And uh, for the last 10 years, I've been consulting to boards and C-suites on digital transformation and digital optimization, trying to fix the messes that people get themselves into. Yeah, and Wayne, I am super excited to have you here because you are probably going to have the longest tenure uh, as far as the on-prem experience goes. So you are going to bring a lot of stories overall. And if that option is still going to be relevant today, especially more from the TCO perspective. So thank you so much for being here. Danny, would you like to introduce yourself if you don't mind? Yes, I am. Thanks. Uh, this is Danny Winton. I'm a sales director at WWT with a long history in solutioning uh, through the OEM. So we've been building both on-prem and cloud solutions for many years. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Danny, for being here. And your experience is going to be super relevant just because you have a lot more infrastructure expertise that the other panelists may not have. So thank you so much for being here. Andy, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Andy Pratico. I work with a company called Essential Software Solutions. We uh, specialize in ERP software for small to mid manufacturers, mostly across Canada. I've been in the ERP business for manufacturers for 40 years. So uh, like Wayne, I, I definitely remember on-prem <laughs> being the only option. Um, but uh, we represent uh, the ERP suite from Infor and Essential Software has been in business for 47 years. Okay, amazing. And uh, Andy, I think your experience is going to be significantly relevant as well, just because you have probably seen similar number of implementations as Chris. So thank you so much for being here, Andy. Now let's uh, dig deeper into the topic. And for today, obviously you guys are super charged and just want to jump onto the topic because this is always going to be a hot debate, especially in the technical community. So now, before we get into the debate, what we need to do is we need to develop the criteria, okay? So think of this as you are the executive who is trying to evaluate these options. And you are talking to several different vendors Obviously, they are going to have their own stories, but unless you have the criteria, it's very hard to evaluate different options. So the only thing I'm looking for right now is going to be the criteria, the factor that anybody should be looking at in evaluating these two options. I am going to start with you, Tom, if you don't mind. There are a couple that I think are pretty key. One is, what is the nature of the software you're talking about? Are you talking about a SaaS solution that you're trying to choose? CRM or an ERP, and you're trying to make a, a cloud versus on-prem decision. So what is the nature of that? Or is it more of a custom-developed solution? And you're thinking, hey, I could run this on-prem, or I could run it on Azure or AWS or Google. So, you know, public cloud and potentially even private cloud. But that's, to me, one of the first questions. What's the nature of the beast we're talking about from a software point of view? Second thing I'd say is, once you've, once you've identified the type of software, how modern is that software. At Varian, we have software that's 20 plus years old, developed over many years, very heavy, not cloud native. That's a big issue when we try and run it in the cloud because then it has to be persistent. We can't just turn on and turn off VMs all the time and really run it efficiently. 
So it becomes very costly for run, to run these old applications in the cloud. They really need to be modernized or, you know, ideally you start cloud native. So again, I'd say that's a second factor, if, especially if you're talking the, the custom solutions, your own products. And it kind of goes to the third topic, which is cost. How big a factor is cost? Typically, uh, the public cloud is more expensive than the private cloud. And frequently, you can run maybe your on-prem solution on ERP more cheaply than in the cloud. Again, this is the case for Varian with the example being SAP. We run SAP on-prem chiefly because it's cheaper. We have our own data centers coupled around the world, and we can do it very inexpensively compared to what it would cost us in the cloud. And we keep doing an annual review saying someday, someday it's going to be cheaper, but uh, we haven't reached that day yet. So I'd say that's a, that's a third big issue. And the fourth thing and my final thing I'd say is um, support. If you're particularly if you're looking at the the SaaS cloud question versus on-prem for your ERP or your CRM or what have you, the not all, all not all clouds are created equal, even on the SaaS side. Somebody like Salesforce, very sophisticated, very advanced, you know, others not so advanced perhaps. So the support, the patching, the maintenance, the upgrade process the quality of support generally, you know, there really are differences. So you have to be wary and, and, and investigate that. So I'd say those are my four big items to be looking at when trying to make the decisions. So great points, Tom. I am probably going to have some clarifying questions there, but as you mentioned, no two clouds are same. That's a great insight right there. Just some clarifications overall before we move to the, to the next question. We are looking at this from the executive perspective, the people who are trying to buy this product as opposed to building their own product. So when we look at manufacturing, retail, distribution, e-commerce, these companies don't necessarily have their own software product. So in most cases, they are probably going to be buying this software for themselves to be able to use as opposed to selling that. Okay. So I need to clarify why nature of software matters to me as an executive if I'm actually trying to make that decision, how modern, I am not too sure why that should matter for me. Cost and support, I agree. Can you clarify why I should care for those two? Uh, well, again, the question of how modern or how cloud native uh, solution is has more to do with the, uh, the homegrown software, custom okay. products that you might be selling as opposed to buying, to your point. So... So uh, in, in that sense, I would uh, I would say maybe that piece, if it's a buy question, isn't yeah. as relevant. Um, okay. Maybe on, under some circumstances, but generally, so that that's maybe you take you can take that off the table if you like. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And how about how modern? Is that still relevant? Not relevant? So there were four. So we had nature of software, how modern, cost and support. Cost and support. I think everybody's gonna agree. How modern? Is that still relevant? Not relevant? Well, again, I was addressing the modern question uh, in my answer a moment ago, saying maybe maybe that's not relevant if you're okay. on the buy side and you're really like just looking at an on-prem versus a, a cloud option as a buyer of software. Uh, hopefully, the solutions you're looking at are pretty pretty modern, well-developed, and uh, that's not something that you need to worry about. It, it, can it run effectively in the cloud? If you're going to look at a cloud option, I hope it can run in the cloud. So, But uh, in terms of uh, the nature of it, Again, I was making the point that is it is it pure SaaS or is it on-prem? There, there are still uh, vendors out there who sell versions like SAP. Uh, they say you can run it on-prem or you can run it in the cloud. So I think these, these are questions. There are vendors who only do it on-prem still, some, and uh, many more who are only in the cloud. 
So I think that's, you know, that's a, that's a, a factor that you need to be looking at too. Amazing. Love it. Thank you so much, Tom. Wayne, I am actually going to move to you next, if you don't mind. Do you agree with what Tom has said so far? Do you disagree? What factors, in your opinion, would be relevant for the criteria in making this decision? I'm here to pick a fight with both of you. Um, <laughs> the, first thing is, you. the first thing, Sam, is I thought we were talking to a CFO about a decision to make an investment. We're not talking to geeks about geek stuff. Yep. So Tom's things are all very relevant, but I don't know in what room I'm having that conversation. It wouldn't be in the room with the CFO and the CEO and the board. We yep. start with what's wrong? What are we trying to accomplish with this investment? It's like any other investment. If I'm going to build a new factory, why am I building it? So if I'm going to do something to change my software platform, what's my motivation? In Tom's case, maybe they did an acquisition. And now I've got a new line of business that it's hard to integrate into the bespoke software. Yep. Um, maybe you've outgrown it. Um, maybe it's um, a decision where the board just said, we're going to be cloud because that's what the investors want to hear. These are all valid reasons. But we got to start with the business problem before we even get to this kind of speeds and feeds. That's one. Number two, age to me is not as important as, how do I say this, decrepitude, technical debt. Yeah. If, if I'm running, I can be running a wonderful copy of SAP that's 25 years old and has half a billion dollars worth of customizations in it. Uh, I know people that are running mainframe software that is 50 years old and has over a billion dollars of intellectual property. And yeah. you know what? They're not changing that because they're afraid to. And it works. So I've got to start with if your technical debt is high, I'll give a little definition for business terms. Technical debt is the sum total of all the maintenance you should have done but didn't do. It's a cumulative thing. It's an off-balance sheet liability that most companies are bigger than what sunk Enron. So you got to be aware of that. If Tom's software is easy to maintain and secure because he's been keeping it up to date, who cares if it's 40 years old? Because it's continually refreshed, whether the vendor does that or whether Tom's team does that. But if you've let the thing rot, your attack surface keeps getting bigger. Your brittleness keeps getting bigger. And whenever you want to make a strategic move, an acquisition, move into a new market, a new product, a digital transformation, guess what? The CIO, the guy in Tom's chair, comes back and says, um, well, um, that acquisition is going to take me four years to digest when the board was hoping for four months. So age doesn't matter. Uh, technical debt, I think, matters a lot. And then all the other things that Tom said, I certainly agree with. Okay. Some amazing insights there, but I need to make sure that we are able to translate that for the executives. So when you say business problem, obviously business problem is extremely relevant overall. What is driving your decision, whether you are going to go for cloud or on-prem? But, well, but, but, but let me back up. It, it depends. Um, am I going, or do I want to make a decision because my data centers are way old, I'm losing my lease, the people who supported it in COBOL are all retiring, so I'm forced to make a choice. Was I hacked and somebody's penetrated my infrastructure and I'm faced with a costly rebuild? Or the investors or the regulators, if I'm in a regulated industry, have failed me on an audit and I'm looking at hundreds of millions of dollars of rebuilding for no good reason except to upgrade the technical debt. Am I doing it because the management says we're going from being a medical device business, we're going to build some hospitals. 
So now Tom needs EHR software that has to integrate into his manufacturing software. Maybe you do that already, Tom. I don't know. But maybe you're going to go up, upstream and downstream from the product you sell. So I think we have to start with a list of business problems we're trying to solve. What are the pain points or what are the opportunities? And that's where we sit down and say, what is the right solution? Because it isn't cloud or on-prem. It's SaaS versus bespoke. It's a package like old SAP or old Oracle that I could run on-prem or co-load, which is another name for fake cloud. I can run a private cloud, which has a lot of the uh, disadvantages of cloud and a lot of the disadvantages of on-prem rolled into one product. So there's all sorts of ways a business can, can make bad choices if they're not sitting down and saying, what are we trying to accomplish from this? Okay, amazing insights there, okay? So since you reminded me that term fake cloud, we are going to have a separate discussion on that. And that's going to be really interesting. Now, I am actually going to move to Chris. Chris, what is the criteria? I know you are going to be bullet point, you know. So at a high level, if you think about SaaS versus on-premise, those are almost licensing strategies where yeah. subscription licensing versus the traditional, I buy it and I pay SA. So again, and in, in, in that model, you can actually have on-premise licensing deployed on-premise service and pay subscription pricing. So that's just terminology. But I think, you know, criteria, let's say objective is, you know, org size has a factor. It absolutely has a factor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because big orgs have big IT staffs and they want something to do and there's contention between them and moving to the cloud because they think they won't have a job. So org yeah. size, IT departments is a criteria. Total cost of ownership totally is a, is a criteria. Um, regulatory compliance. And I think that's an important one because as you look at, you know, when I take my dynamic solutions that are in the cloud and I have SOC compliance up there and a lot of compliance because you can't get to the back end SQL database. As soon as I move it down on-prem, I lose SOC compliance. Okay, well, so there's regulatory compliance that may come from having that application outside of IT. And I think the other related part of that is is risk tolerance or what we used to call fault tolerance because yeah. The cost, and it lends to total cost of ownership, meaning what would it cost an organization to build? And, and again, when we talk about on-premise, we're really talking about servers that are in your building because fake cloud, Wayne, again, cloud means public cloud, Microsoft, AWS, Google. It could mean a colo. It could, again, so anytime you move the, the, the application out of your building, you're moving to the cloud because what you do is you eliminate that dependency on the building and the local resources in the building power, et cetera. But it goes back to fault tolerance, meaning how resilient is that server installation in your building? Again, because the colo is going to be way better. They're going to have redundant internet, redundant power. So you're getting redundancy as soon as you move out of your building. But when you're in your building, that's it. How much cost? And so it's total cost of ownership. The, the size of the organization and geographical dispersion, meaning if all your users are outside of your physical building's location, why would you put the servers there? That's the mindset, because if your power goes out, why does everybody in the U.S. cannot work? So there's there's some mindset about, again, it's about that fault tolerance, meaning if my building power goes down, my workers still need to come to work. We had customers that would have an e-commerce site on a local server in a building. You don't put an e-commerce site locally. Why? Because when your lights are off, you want people to still be able to shop. So yeah. there's a number of factors there, but that, that fault tolerance, meaning the lights got to stay on. That's why you get it out of the building. And I think that's a key definition here. So we're talking about servers that are in your building as on-prem. Because, again, as soon as I move my on-prem licenses up into a cloud, I'm benefiting from all those redundancies that I don't have in my building. So just to clarify for decision-making purposes. And, again, one other thing, IT fiefdoms, right? You get a lot of autonomy by moving your stuff out of your building because now your IT guy can't hold you hostage. So, anyway, a number of points there, but total cost of ownership. Again, fault tolerance is a big deal. Geographical dispersion of your workforce. 
And again, what's it cost that TCO and what's it cost to augment your building where you have all that protection against ransomware, electrical power failures, you need redundant electric, redundant po redundant internet, you get it. That's all about total cost. And a lot of times moving the application out of the building is really what I consider moving it from an on-premise to some type of an external cloud, whether it's fake cloud, public cloud, like I said, you, you get where I'm going. You just get a lot more benefits that most organizations can't afford to pay for unless they're billion dollar companies and maybe they have their own data centers per se. But those data centers typically aren't in their building either. They're in somebody else's colo facility because even the billion dollar companies aren't building a colo. They're moving in with somebody. So yeah, absolutely agree with everything that you said and love, by the way, love your, you know, pointed responses. I mean, they are amazing. So I agree with you that, you know, there has to be a definition in terms of what exactly is on-prem or cloud. And I think that we are going to cover in case of fake cloud. We will define the definition of what exactly is cloud. Is it really a business decision or is it really the technical decision? Spot on, on the licensing part, org size, TCO, one of the things that you mentioned, I think there's a nuance there. Skills is also equally relevant. So how skilled you are as the organization. So I think it could be part of the org size or you know how your org is set up, but definitely skills is part of that. Regulatory compliance, I think that's a big driver overall. That's the biggest one. And then the risk tolerance uh, and geo discussion. So thank you so much, Chris, for that. I think those all are relevant factors. Jenny, I am actually going to move to you now. I mean, you are the real cloud professional. So you are going to have far deeper insight than other folks who are simply utilizing the cloud. So tell us, what are the factors in evaluating this? Yeah, so first I would, uh, I'd, I'd agree with everything that everyone said so far. I mean, there's the business decisions that are part of this. There's the, the technical decisions. There's the skill sets, but the the way that I might frame this too is if you're looking, if you're looking at a, a, an SAP ERP system running on-prem or in the cloud, that's one thing. It has a very specific use case. But if you're if you're looking at your entire IT landscape and you're looking at you know dozens, hundreds, thousands of VMs, and you're moving into containers and you're looking at alternative ways to be agile, then the cloud and on-prem really uh, it, they're they're not. I should say the cloud is not a place in that respect. The cloud is an operating model so that you can actually build within your own internal organization a cloud model that gives you mobility for applications to move into the other clouds. So that's that's something I, I had didn't really hear in the in the conversation, but the cloud, it can be considered a place if it's being used just as an IaaS layer. But if you're really building a a real agile environment. The, the cloud is an operating model, so you can automate all the different pieces within your own organization and have mobility. Now, that does, of course, come back to all the other criteria, which are the skill sets. How, how cloud native are the applications? Um, you know, what is the support? What's the licensing model that you're going to use? All of those are relevant. But the key to, to the point I'm trying to make is the cloud isn't a place. The cloud is an operating model. Okay, yeah, so amazing insight there. And just to uh, give you some more clarity in terms of the audience that we have here, they are going to be slightly more financial exact as they might not be familiar as much uh, with the IT terminology. For example, they might not even know what Agile means uh, in the financial you know, executive work. They might also not know what operating model is. I mean, a lot of listeners that we have uh, are really the SMB manufacturers. So do you wanna clarify 
something uh, you know for them what it means to them so operating model is just your day-to-day -day operations of your IT staff you have people that are uh, administering provisioning um, applications provisioning hardware making the operations of IT working you you want to automate all the different pieces of that just to make your operation run smoothly that's already been done for you pr presumably in the cloud but but you have to have the skill sets to be able to move it there so you end up with a question of if we want to take our operation and move it to AWS or Azure, you know, you now have to be potentially using the native tools of AWS and Azure, and that's a different skill set than the people I have. So those are those are two different ways to operate. So the thought process would be: let's have a single operating model, so right. I can use the tools and the skills and the people that I have, and I can then take that and push it to the cloud. So to me, I don't care if the workload is on prem. I don't care if it's in cloud A, B, or C. It just works in one single way. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Danny, for that. Yeah, Danny, based on what you said, I think I forgot the the can shrink can grow. And I think as organizations, if they had that need to rapidly scale, man, you could dial it up and turn on resources like on a dime, whereas on-prem, I ordered servers. They should be here in two months. So anyway, that was just bootstrapping on what you said, the operating model. So I not agree. everybody needs that, but that rapid scale is certainly is empowered completely there. That's a, I think we need to simplify that explanation a bit so that the, the listeners can understand. And I think Wayne is actually going to do that. Wayne, on to yeah, you. The, the example is if your business is seasonal and you're in the cloud, a hyperscale cloud, you can say, I always need X. I'm going to pay 5000 a month for the base load. And then I have a holiday season. So I'm going to need 2X or 3X. So for two months a year, I want 2X or 3X. The bill goes up. The services go up. Oh, we just did an acquisition. I need to double it tomorrow. It goes up. Okay. It goes down. Okay. And so you license. There's licensing is very complicated. I don't want to oversimplify. There's base load. There's bursts. There's all sorts of ways to license for growth and unpredictability. The cost of risk. I'm going to give you a quick example of cloud versus on-prem slash colo. Because, Chris, I disagree with you. Whether it's in my shop or it's in somebody else's building, if I got to buy discrete servers and rack them and stack them and install them, it isn't hyperscale cloud to me. Ten years ago, I worked for a mortgage company. We wanted to put it in AI tool. We knew just what tool we wanted. We had the software picked out. I needed to configure servers. I had to buy 14 servers. I had to buy storage. I had to buy licenses for the operating systems. I had to get them ordered. I had to get them delivered. Oh, we didn't have enough racks in the colo. So they had to move me to another cage, by the way, because we ran out of cage. Four months later, we turned on the first transaction, cost me $540,000 in CapEx and labor. A year ago, I had a client that said, let's try the same thing. I want to do AI pricing for a product. I went to Azure. I went click, 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 click. It was $6 a month to try it, but the first month was free. We were trying building test cases a week later. That's the difference in cloud for most people. I can deploy stuff I hadn't imagined because the vendor has already built that into the environment for me. That's what I think of as the main difference. If I take my stuff and put it out of my building, and Chris Bill, I'm Tom builds a data center, and it runs with mainframes in it, or it runs with old servers in it, it's still a very discreet, very inflexible operation. Whereas the cloud companies, they turn a knob and it goes up and down. Could not agree more. Thank you so much, Wayne, for those examples and stories. I think they definitely help overall in understanding what the differences are. So Andy, please go ahead and tell us what are the criteria that you believe are relevant to evaluate two different decisions? And do you disagree, agree with everybody or what has been said so far? 
Well, a, a ton of uh, suggestions have already been made, and there aren't that many more. But the one that sticks out is it depends on the application. One person mentioned uh, what is the business problem that you're trying to solve. And if you know what that what the best product is to solve that business problem, and it's on-prem, then you go on-prem. If it's, I mean, certainly, you know, these gentlemen are obviously all working with much larger companies than what I work with. I mentioned at the beginning, I work with small to mid-sized companies, you know, under, under 500 million size. So, um, you know, and, and ERP centric. So if, if a product fits their needs that, and, and especially if they're only a single site, single site versus multi-site, or if they got, or, or cross countries, uh, obviously there's, there's value in being in the cloud, but most companies that I deal with are single site or, or relatively local and, Depending upon the application, the, you, you know, COBOL is a little old for what I work with, Wayne, but <laughs> actually COBOL was invented the same year I was born. So there you go, <laughs> 1954. But, you know, so I work with two different products. One is completely on-prem and the other one is mostly in the cloud and certainly designed for the cloud, whereas the on-prem one doesn't require a lot of IT support or upgrades or patches or enhancements. So though some of the values of being in the cloud are not as prevalent. So therefore, back to what I originally said, it depends on which is the best application for that specific client. Yeah, I completely agree. I think the, the type of application is definitely going to be relevant in deciding that decision. Sometimes some applications may be relevant for on-prem versus cloud. So thank you so much, Andy, for those thoughts. So now let's move to the discussion on fake cloud because we want to make sure that we are covering that because that's what really defines what a real cloud is, the real advantages of the cloud, which a lot of people don't understand. They simply feel that you know they read about cloud. They are simply thinking that cloud is all about you can use that across the devices as long as that is in the browser, probably that is cloud. But identifying and spotting fake cloud requires deeper expertise. And we all know this. We all, in at least in the panel, we all can see a product and can tell you that this is a fake cloud. Number one, what I want you guys to do now is, what is a fake cloud? And what implications it is going to have for the organization if they chose a fake cloud as opposed to a real cloud? How to spot a fake cloud during a demo? especially in the ERP demo or typically CRM demo or whichever demo is happening, how to identify a fake cloud. So these are some of the points that I want you guys to cover. So Chris, I'm actually going to start with you now. Do you want to start? Sure. And I think as you look at features that come with where your application resides, I mean, certainly what we see in the in the Microsoft Dynamics Cloud is the, is the maintenance that's included. And I think as you look at total cost of ownership, where you're in one of these data centers, I mean, it's still really just your on-premise install moved where you get some more redundancy. And in the end, you still own the application, still have to main the, maintain the application, you still have to service the operating system, you still have to manage all of that. So again, what I see in the complete SaaS cloud when you're up there is you're seeing management of the operating systems, the platforms, as well as the application. That's best case scenario. And again, depending on if you take your app and you move it 
but I think it's that it's, it's what are the features and, and how hands off is it? And that really stipulates the total cost of ownership. And again, like I said, there's, there's incremental progress getting it out of the building, as I said, versus we get some redundancy, but it's still not the complete cloud. And I think as Wayne alluded, there's a lot of right away plug-in services. Those aren't all in a private cloud. Okay. So again, it's all about features and functions. And as you move up into these public clouds, AWS, Google, or Microsoft, they have so many other things. The AI, it just connects. So I think that's it. You're differentiating features and hey, it really depends on budget and where you're at and, and your application you're running to get there. So yeah, so features and functions can definitely play a role. But if I look at my 1970s ERP system, a lot of the features that I'm looking at my in my real cloud, they may not have those features, but they are going to be using the cloud native development technology. They are not going to be as robust overall in the feature set, but they are going to have the kind of user experience that you get from the cloud native technologies. Okay, that's what I am looking for when we talk about comparing your real cloud versus fake cloud. Fake cloud, when you look at it, you can tell by looking at it that it's fake. It's almost like a fake car. If you look at fake car, <laughs> you can tell by looking at fake car. So, <laughs> so, okay, Tom, you have a lot of experience with this. So tell me, how do I spot whether I'm buying a fake Ray-Ban or a real? I, I do agree with several of the speakers on the panel today about the notion that just putting hardware into a data center that's not on-prem is not the cloud. And, and if you're being sold a, a package, a, a, an on, or a, a cloud solution, where it's some single data center, and, and I've been through this with one of our CRM solutions that we chose once upon a time, and uh, we're, we're in the process of abandoning. We haven't gotten off it yet. But years ago, we, we thought this is a great cloud solution. And it actually was a good application, remains a good application, but it was running out of one data center and it created issues of latency for people in our organization in Asia and in Europe because it was basically uh, somewhere in the Midwest of the US. So Americans were pretty happy. It had a, someone was mentioning, I think maybe Chris, you know, issues of fault tolerance. Uh, we had downtime issues because that one data center, there was no real failover and there were, were not uh, alternatives for us. Uh, there was a very uh, on-prem like upgrade experience where there was downtime. Uh, you're expecting in the cloud typically that you're at near zero, if not truly zero downtime, and that people need to take servers offline. They can move the VMs or the workloads to other places that are up, and you don't experience any downtime, for example. So if, if people are telling you, hey, you know, you might have latency issues because it's only one location, hey, you, you, you are going to have to deal with more downtime, you know, or as much downtime as you would on-prem, pretty much. You know, these are these are red flags in my mind. This isn't a real cloud. Okay, some amazing insights there. And if an organization, let's say, if they have the IT people, they probably would know how to identify a cloud-native development. So I am not necessarily worried about the people who already have a little bit of IT background. Typically, this problem happens when we are looking at these small to medium sized businesses and they don't understand what is a real cloud versus fake cloud and what are going to be real implications for them. Typically, your vendors are going to tell all the kind of stories because they are trying to sell, which is great. But, you know, our goal from this conversation is to be able to tell them 
okay, this is how you are going to be able to spot. And again, if we go by the data center, if we go by how this is powered by the IT infrastructure, that's only going to be in the PowerPoint deck. From their perspective, the only thing they are really looking at it is at the application. So by looking at the application, let's say if they are looking at the demo on a computer, how can I tell whether I'm buying a fake car versus a real car? So Wayne, I wanna move to you next. And could you touch this from the perspective of real versus fake? And how do I identify that? Sure, well, to your point, if you're not an IT expert, you can't ask the technical questions. So here's the questions I would ask. So if I gave you a credit card, could I spin up an instance? Could I have people on it tomorrow? If they say, oh no, we've got an installation process, it's an old model piece of software. I'll also say to them, can I run it on my server? I got a server in my computer room. Can it run on my servers? If their answer is, oh yeah, no problem, it's fake cloud. If they tell you, well, we have this way of putting the cloud in your shop, and because there are some cloud tools from Google and Microsoft. So if they make it look like a process, they're probably real cloud. If they're trying to talk you out of doing that, they're definitely real cloud. It's really questions about, well, what if I wanted to add 12 data fields? Show me how to do that right now on the fly and let's see them. Likely they are modern architecture. Because I'll say this, if anybody could build an, a modern architecture product that ran on a properly fault-tolerant server and I wasn't IT savvy, maybe I don't care. It's, it's about what does it do for me from a, solving my problem and what's the cost going to be over time? Uh, but a couple of other hints are, as Tom said, is the upgrade the maintenance done when I ask them to. I want to schedule a maintenance, but only upgrade every other year. No problem, fake cloud. If they tell you we do eight a year, six a year, 12 a year, and you don't have a choice, you can delay two, then it's real cloud. And so these are kind of things that you would look at, but none of them are absolutes, because I can trick. If, I'm, if my goal is to trick you as a novice user, hate to say this, a couple of us are consultants, we can tell you in 10 minutes, uh, Google it. Anybody, by the way, that says we are born in the cloud, that's generally their, their uh, call sign for don't try to run this on your server. So, but I'll come back again. It's about does it solve your problem and what are the pros and cons? Pros and cons being uptime. Maybe you shut down on weekends and don't care. Maybe it's not critical to your delivering your customer experience. And so if it's down for an hour a year, two hours a year, you don't care. And it's half the price of something else that looks really cool, but you're not going to use the features. Somebody said to me once, here's your car example, what's the best car? And somebody said, a Ferrari. And he said, well, I'm going to haul manure in it. It changes the answer. So the question can never be fake cloud, real cloud. The question can be fit for purpose. Yeah, you guys so want to be you guys want to be geeky, and I want to talk about business. I'm sorry. <laughs> some 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 great points there. Just one quick clarification that born in the cloud is a great way of identifying you know real cloud versus fake cloud. But sometimes there could be vendors who might have actual real cloud. They may not have born in the cloud, but they may have advanced to that. Okay, because of their cloud native technology, they may have gone there. So it does not mean that you are not born in the cloud, that you will never be cloud native. You could well, be cloud native as the legacy vendor as well. A, a vendor is a brand name on a building. Yeah. I can buy from a vendor and there are some, we're not, we're not talking vendors. I can talk to a big vendor and they have a cloud product because they bought one and they have a non-cloud product because they bought that one too. Cool. Great. But 
if you tell me that an old product built to run on a server in my building and be upgraded once a year, once every two years, is magically going to be transformed into a cloud product with the features of flexibility, the features of containerization, the features of modularity, the features of APIs or the ability to integrate things, the report under it, the, the published database spec. I mean, I could do this for a long time, but it doesn't happen overnight. I know one big software company, their strategy was called Fusion. Here's a test. Who remembers Fusion? The company's been working on it for about 12 years. It may be there, but they actually have another whole product called Product Day in the cloud. Because you know what? It isn't really there. No, their product is a lot better than an old, flexible, monolithic, all built in one code base product. But it sure is a far cry from doing it with a different technology set. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Vian, for that. Now, I am actually going to move to Denny. Denny, do you want to describe what our fake cloud is and how our executives can, can spot that during a demo? Yeah, most of it's been said, but I'll, the only thing I'll say, I think what sparked the term was a colo being a fake cloud. If you're just taking your servers and moving them to a third party and having them run your mess for less, that's not a cloud. That's really just an extension of a data center. So that's what I would point out is really the idea of that's not, that's not cloud. Cloud actually has specifically, you know, elasticity and it has all sorts of attributes that go with it. Yeah. Love mess for less. So spot on. Thank you so much. Andy, what are your thoughts? What are real cloud is? What are fake cloud is? How can you spot what are going to be implications? Let's say if companies utilize a fake cloud versus real cloud. Well, first off, I'll premise my uh, or preface my uh, opinion in that I'm not an IT expert like the rest of these folks are. I'm, I'm more of an application operational expert. But what I look for in a demo or something like that is how easy are they navigating from one function to another? Are they having to or do they or look along the bottom of the screen to see if they've already opened up all the applications so it's easy to snap it in as opposed to actually going to another function? And are they doing it the old-fashioned way or are they doing it by typing in or, or selecting on a URL? Web-enabled. If it's web-enabled, you know, you're probably real. Okay, amazing. I have seen a lot of fake clouds that are web enabled but they is that are right? real cloud oh yeah oh yeah okay. oh I, I, yeah I, i'm learning a lot by listening to everyone let me tell you it's very easy to put a web front end i have a client that's got a web front end on an old as 400 system really and wow it's 38 years old but they put a web front end on it so it's all yeah. point and click but everything right. underneath it is literally 38 years old so how so how so i'm sorry wayne how I'm 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 a, a neophyte when it comes to IT. So how am I going to recognize if it's real or fake? And the question I asked: Ask the vendor. Add ten fields to the system in production. Right. While I love you're that. I love that. I wrote that one down. Yeah, that's simple good. as that. Or take your re take any report in the system and give it to me so I can modify it right now and run it in production. So I'm going to give you some more clues here because I'm not getting from the panel. Okay. So one of the things that you could do is if the the application is developed as mobile native. Most likely that is probably going to be cloud native as well because the applications that were designed in 80s and 90s, mobile does not exist at that time. So if they can show you the app as it is, the way it appears on your browser, most likely it is probably going to be cloud native. If they have a completely different app, which looks very different from the way, and again, you need to pay attention to the details. The way your features and functions appear 
on your UI. If they appear different, most likely they are running a lot of legacy functionality in the backend. Again, the legacy vendors have come a long way in improvising their code. The other catch that you might want to have is how fluid the application is overall when you move from one screen to the next. I think a lot of people mentioned that. Just like we can put a web front end on an old AS400 system using the same kind of lift and shift technology, I can build a mobile app using the same server that actually runs the web. So I wouldn't suggest, for me, think about an application. Data lives in the middle. If the data is not flexible, you're going to be stuck down the road. You're going to paint yourself into a corner. The application's built well. On top of the data layer is the process layer, the stuff that Andy knows. How, does, how do we cash a check? How do we pay an invoice? How do we do the process things? And then on top of that is the user interface layer. Maybe I have a mobile interface. Maybe I have a web. Maybe I have a spoken voice or a chatbot. That's actually the easiest layer to modernize because it does the least amount of heavy lifting. I would ask questions about the data first and then about how easy it is if Andy's got a system that is manufacturing and he wants to put a hotel and the company's got, I'm going to buy a hotel. Oh, I can snap a hotel management in to your accounting system and nobody will know it's a third-party product. Maybe that's a real cloud vendor. Okay, amazing. Thank you. Okay, Chris, go ahead, please. So I think, I think I've heard the conversation evolve to, you know, the move to the cloud versus on-prem. And again, I, I differentiated on-prem in your building versus not in your building. And we agree that through fake cloud to public cloud, there's, there's gains in redundancy and feature functionality. But I think the other conversation has gone to, is it a cloud-based ERP system built for the cloud ERP versus yeah. it's an on-premise app that's shoved up into a servers that are outside of this business. And I think there's two conversations. So on-prem in the building versus not in the building, there's a lot of value there. But as you're selecting an ERP system, now we're back to how can you tell if it's really built for the cloud? Because I've got competitors, I won't mention them, but they've built a completely web-based cloud product. But the one they've got it built and it's hosted on their infrastructure in a data center, and it's running Oracle behind this cloud-based web experience. It's a standalone. It's not the public cloud. It's still a private cloud. So as you poke into the software vendors, and that's where I feel like the conversation changes, how do you know that this is a real cloud-based app? Well, again, different versions. Again, is it is it built for the Microsoft cloud? Is it built for the Amazon cloud? So again, where it has all the AI plugged in, I think to that point, if it's a cloud-based ERP system you're looking at, you're right. You're going to have different grades of feature functionality that are coming to play depending on Whose cloud is it hosted in, right? Because again, a lot of these providers, they have their own data centers, they're hosting it just as they're, they're where the cloud, right? Anybody can say they're the cloud. Different grades of features. How can you tell? And again, the on-prem, I can deploy my Microsoft stuff on the servers in your building and it's browser-based and the apps all work and you're like, well, where is it? I can deploy it in a data center. It looks the same. It's in Microsoft Public Cloud. It looks the same. But if you really get in, you lose features from here to here to here. You get the most up here, you lose some here. So people really need to be critical of what am I losing? What features did I lose because it's in a data center versus in the native Microsoft public cloud that it was built in, for example. So like I said, a couple conversations here that I'm hearing. Okay, amazing. We need to move to the next question. And that is going to be really critical for the decision making. So one of the things that a lot of people feel that in 2021, it's all about cloud. I should go for cloud blindly. Now, financially, if I think more from the CFO perspective, is cloud still a valid option or should I still be looking at on-prem? So Tom, I am actually going to start with you. Should I be even worrying about on-prem if cloud is the way to go? Well, again, I think Wayne at the beginning of his 
first comments pointed out that there's a lot of it depends here. What is your particular set of circumstances? What is the problem you're trying to solve, right? And, and I would say that if you are a relatively small operation and it would be challenging to become uh, compliant from a SOX point of view and to maintain that level of compliance yourself, to achieve validation and maintain validation with every change and update that might be made to software solutions that you use or that you've developed yourself, that, that to me is an indication that you probably ought to be looking to be as truly cloud as possible. You know, again, I, I, when I started at the beginning and you asked about criteria, I jumped immediately to criteria. And again, and Wayne's comments rang true for me a bit. You know, if it's the CFO, I was thinking the question the CFO has in his mind is how the heck do I stay out of jail? Okay. So tell me how this is not going to create a major problem if I'm in life science with the FDA. Tell me how this is going to be SOX compliant. Tell me how my risk is going to be greater or less based on this choice. And if you are not a pretty sizable organization and pretty sophisticated and able to achieve some of that level of risk mitigation that the CFO would be looking for on-prem, you probably ought to be taking the cloud very seriously because at least, again, and I'll use some terminology that maybe everyone here is familiar with on the panel, but maybe not all of our, 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 our listeners. Um, you know, if you, if you look at validation from a FDA regulatory point of view, and you talk about IQ, installation qualification, you know, the hardware is installed as, as, um, uh, as intended, as designed, uh, then you get to the OQ, operational performance or operational qualification, and you get to a PQ, right, which is performance qualification. That's what the FDA expects. You've done an IQ test, an OQ test, and a PQ test. And basically, if you are going to the cloud, the IQ and the OQ are really something that your cloud vendor is responsible for. You've got to make sure that the application runs the way at the, at the highest level in the stack. Uh, you've got to make sure that the application runs and gives you the results that are expected. You have to do some testing uh, and validation, but it's much less than, than the full stack. And so you get, you get a lot of value in that sense, a lot of security and maybe sleep better at night if you know that you've got a, an AWS or a Microsoft uh, that owns that part of the stack, or a Salesforce for that matter, that owns that those first two areas. Uh, so, so that's an example to me of scale of operation, sophistication of operation, size of company. You know, those those really do matter in making this choice and how much risk you want to take on yourself, or can you distribute that risk with uh, some of your partners? Okay, amazing insights there. And we are going to move a little quicker just because we are running out of time. And I want to make sure that everybody is able to speak on this topic. So is on-prem still relevant? Chris? Absolutely, it's still relevant based on business requirements. Absolutely. In the security realms we're getting into with defense contractors, they need to deploy their applications in an on-premise manner to get to CMMC level three certification. So there's a perfect example why you still have an on-prem requirement because public cloud doesn't check the box. Okay, amazing. Love it. Guys, if you can provide more examples, that will actually help our listeners in terms of why on-premise on still matters. Wayne? Well, the, the comment I'll append to Chris's comment is yet, because all of the cloud vendors are working on higher levels of CMMC certification. Yeah. 
and trying to be compliant for everything. Look, the NSA runs on these clouds. The U.S. is NSA. They're fairly secure if you do them right. The answer is, depending on the question, is it okay to leave something on-prem that's working on-prem today? Absolutely. I mean, Tom says he's doing it. It made the most financial sense. Large banks, large insurance companies are running hundreds of millions of dollars worth of mainframes on-prem, and they are not moving them quickly because they solve their problem, and they're the most cost-effective way, most secure way, most scalable way to do it. The question is more interesting if you're buying a new business, starting a new business, and you want to start up some. Now, I would say cloud first is the strategy I would approach. Let's look and see if there's a cloud option that meets our security requirements, financial requirements, and so on, and interfaces with the rest of our company. So I think it would be criminal not to be cloud first in your evaluation of a new system. But I think that's a different question. Okay, thank you so much, Wayne. And I agree with everything that you said, some great insights there. Danny, quickly, is on-premise still relevant? Yes, absolutely still relevant. I'll give two examples of customers in different parts of the uh, the spectrum. One, I've had customers before cloud was even a viable option saying, we want to get out of the data center business. I can't wait to get to the cloud. I just don't have the capability and the strength. It's not our core business. The cloud vendors, that is their core business. So once, once it became relevant, they immediately moved. Then I've also got large, and we just, Wayne just mentioned this, large banks. They have scale. They have great IT staffs that are very robust. They don't have the need and the drive to go to the cloud, uh, to the cloud particularly while they start, they are looking at it and doing things in the cloud. They've got the ability to just stay the way they've always done it, of course, with the newer technologies. Okay, love it. Andy, quickly, is on-premise still relevant? Excuse me, absolutely. The comment I made already was it depends on the application and what is the what's going to solve the business the business challenge or the business problem. But I mean, there's lots of companies that are not in an, a web-centric area. I'm, I'm talking to one company that's uh, in the middle of Saskatchewan. They don't have any access. There's no sense talking about that there. I mean, they're going to have to come up with VPNs or whatever else to, to be remote. It's just So, again, it depends on the circumstance. Yeah, I agree with you. I have seen some scenarios as well where internet connection could be very spotty, especially in the yeah. warehouse and, and manufacturing situations. Completely. So, yeah, so cloud would not work there. So thank you so much for that. Uh, now, we are actually going to close because we have just one minute, and we are going to take just one quick closing advice from everybody. If you can keep it within four or five words or a sentence, I will definitely appreciate that. The advice that we are looking for is whether cloud versus on-prem. Closing advice, Chris, from you, please. New system purchase, cloud first. Love it. Wayne, closing advice uh, from you. Understand your business problem. Love it. Tom, closing advice from you. I agree with Chris and Wayne. Cloud first is the way to go. Okay, love it. Jenny, your closing advice. Cloud is not a place, it's an operating model. Love it. Andy, your closing advice. I agree with all of them. The <laughs> point is, is that's what's the application, what's the business problem? Thank you so much, Andy, for those thoughts. And thank you so much for joining. You all have a great week. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Sam. Thank, thank you. you. I can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests, and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Chris, Garadini, head over to turnkeytech.com. It's T-U-R-N-K-E-Y-T-E-C.com. If you want to learn more about Wayne Sadin, follow him on LinkedIn and Twitter. If you want to learn more about Tom Rodden, 
head over to varian.com. It's V-A-R-I-A-N.com. If you want to learn more about Andy Pradico, head over to esoft.com. It's E-S-S-O-F-T.com. If you want to learn more about Danny Winton, head over to www.t.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Bob Evans, who discusses what SMB customers need to know about cloud infrastructure providers. Also, the interview with Tad Needleman, who discusses the role of ERP consultants, why they are pivotal for an ERP implementation, and why they play a huge role in user experience and training. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you, and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.